Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and hello to all of my listeners, my unlucky lounge rats. Good to see you've walked back this way to a brand new year. Happy 2021! as we welcome you back to the Unlucky Lounge for another episode of Draft and Draft. My name is Corey, your limited lore master, denizen of the Unlucky Lounge, and joining me, as always, is the Lupine Master, who seems even wiser with the tick-tock and turning of a new calendar page. His name is Borok. Borok, what's your 2021 New Year's resolution? <laughs> I'm sorry, my bear friend, but I think a resolution like that is a fool's game. I think it should be to eat more cheese and to cheese out more wins. But from me to all of you out there, my resolution is to keep bringing to you all dynamic, interesting, and unique shows with Friday Night Podcast, the interview segments, and even more creativity. But before we get to some more of that fun stuff, a few bits of housekeeping and upkeeping. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V.com, Stitcher, wherever you download your audio goodness, keep your midday blues away with Believe. And the show, of course, is here because of all of you, my listeners, new, old, just tuning in for the first time, or have been with me for a year plus. Thank you for giving me your time coming on by to enjoy a drink with us here in the Unlucky Lounge and find us on socials, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, Draft and Draft Corey. Lots of different content in the entire Draft and Draft network. Find our Twitch stream 2000th download celebration for your chance to win some arena codes as well. And if this show is giving you some joy, find us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash draft and draft. Thank you to all of my patrons. I couldn't do this show without you. And if the show is giving you some delight, think about enjoying some of our tiered benefits. Help us keep the lights on here in the Unlucky Lounge. Well, friends, that's enough of the upkeeping and housekeeping. The Sorcerer's Broom is put back into the Conjurer's Closet, and it's time for us to return back to our previous guest. This is the third part of the Thea trilogy. We had a wonderful conversation with her before. The talk was so good that it needed to be split up into two episodes. Even further than just that, I had more plans for a tour of Montescrew Manor here to show some of the ins and outs and backstage areas of the Unlucky Lounge, but because this conversation held a lot of learnings and some really important talking points, I made the choice to split the interview into two segments and give her the platform for what I think is a very important message. Some of the conversation that she had with me, I learned a lot about not only how to be a better planeswalker, but also a better person. So without further ado, let's head on back to the feature table area for one more conversation with Femme MTG. Her name is Thea. 
So, I mean, so you, you've got your beauty channel. It, it It's doing the thing, but I, I know that at some point, you kind of loop back around to magic at some point, right? How, how do we get back into there after a break? I did, I did. So it's kind of, again, another one of those sad and happy stories um, as life tends to throw at you, but part of the reason- It is bittersweet, I, if anything, life. <laughs> part of the reason I um, started doing the beauty channel, and this was something that I was kind of like on and off being open with, but I'm at a point where I'm comfortable saying this on um, your show and sharing this with the audience that I was undergoing a gender transition at this time. Um, and so, you know, to put it kind of into the language that we in the transgender community use, I was assigned male at birth and I presented as male at, for, you know, years at these tournaments, although I never felt male um, and I was, you know, working to correct that in my body and mind. And that's kind of why I started focusing on the beauty. And, you know, that was a great outlet for me to kind of express myself and get to know myself and kind of get into this new mode, this new way of living, which felt so much more right and natural to me. And because when you're undergoing a gender transition, it's kind of a long process you know it can and it, so what I did was I actually took a break from playing paper magic in stores for about a year and I would only play with my friends you know host at our place or whatnot so I never stopped playing magic but I took a break from playing in the stores because I'm like I'm sure. undergoing this big life change you know it's very emotional uh, my body is changing my appearance is changing my emotions are changing like everything about me is changing so after about a year, um, I came back to Paper Magic and, um, you know, at that time fully as Thea and the, I started going to different stores, some of the old stores and some of the, like, you know, stores always have the regulars, some of the regulars knew me, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Like everybody was nice to me. Like I never experienced anybody, you know, discriminating because I was trans or whatever. Um, I don't think a lot of people even realized and, you know, it, it just, it wasn't really a thing, but what I noticed, so, you know, again, I take this big break. I'm only playing with my friends over time. I started to feel less enthusiastic about magic and I started to experience very subtly, um, what we would refer to as sexism. You know, um, it wasn't overt. It was never, you know, well, sometimes it was, but most of the time it wasn't. And I just started to feel very worn down. And I was, it was interesting because I, I was happy that I had undergone this, this big life change and I felt more complete and more whole and just everything was better in my life. But I start, the, the magic experience started to be a lot different and my skill level had actually risen since this. So let me let me give you a good concrete example. I think it was the Eldritch Moon pre-release. It was one of those. Shadows over Innistrad or Eldritch Moon was the first that I went back to, you know, after I had completed my transition and changed my legal name. And I was playing against an opponent <laughs> and uh, he had a card. I think it, there's one card in the set that's like a 3-1 trample. It has some weird effect or something. And I, I just asked. I said, oh, um, can I read, can I read that card? And what he did, 
he he kind of slides the card across the table and starts explaining it to me. He said, oh, it's a 3-1 trample for blah, blah, blah. And then he explained to me what trample did. And I'm here thinking, I've been drafting since 2009. I clearly know how to play this game. And this guy is explaining trample to me. This is a mechanic everybody who has played this game knows. And it was little things like that. There was another time a few weeks later that I pulled, um, I had won a tournament and I pulled some price packs and some of the guys were watching me open the price packs. And um, I opened, uh, what was, there was like a Lily, a three mana Liliana that gave minus oh, two. Oh, Liliana the Last Hope, I believe. Yeah, so I'm so bad with card names, but there was, a. I pulled that in my price pack and from that point on, some of the guys there just kind of referred to me as, oh, that the girl who pulled the Liliana. Like they didn't say my name. And when the judges would announce pairings sometimes, they would they would say everybody's, uh, you know, in other tournaments, they would say everybody's first and last name, except for me. They wouldn't say my last name because I was sometimes the only girl at the tournament. And what I realized, these little things, you know, people explaining cards to me, people, you know, just, oh, you're, you're the girl who pulled the Liliana, you're the girl who did whatever, not saying my last name. None of this was malicious. And as somebody who didn't, you know, grow up socialized as female, I didn't fully understand, uh, you know, sexism as a concept until I had experienced it myself. And I realized I was being treated differently in an unconscious way by other people because of my gender. And it was like this big light went off in my head that this, this kept happening. And this happened for, you know, about a year until I, it, again, it wasn't any one big thing. I didn't, I never went to a tournament and somebody was like, oh, there's a girl like, screw her. She can't play with us. That's not what it was like, but it was these little, these little unconscious things that just kind of really started to wear me down where like on the inside, you know, I, I still play the game. I go for it, but I, everything was fine. But on the inside, I'm just rolling my eyes when this happens. And you can't really call somebody out on this because, you know, I tried to talk to some of my guy friends in my play group before and they said, oh, well, they don't mean it. They don't mean to be sexist or whatever. And I was thinking, yeah, absolutely. They don't mean to like, they're nice for the most part. I have a good time at magic for the most part, but just because you don't mean to be sexist doesn't mean you're not going to be. So what this led to, um, this big realization of, I just kind of stopped enjoying magic as much. I started playing a little bit less. One day I just wrote down my feelings. Um, and this was actually, I think in May or June, 2017. I had an especially bad experience at one of the tournaments. And um, I just wrote down what I was feeling and how this felt. And I, I just, it just became like this article almost. And I had actually always wanted to write for magic, but um, I, I just wrote this you know, article, it was untitled at the time, and it was just about, you know, a kind of a fictional woman who goes to these tournaments and how she kind of eventually feels beaten down. 
and then just doesn't want to go to tournaments anymore because that was my experience. And that led to an article called Death by a Thousand Paper Cuts. And I had a chance and the privilege to read this article. And I think the thing that is both supplemented by your story and if I may, a wonderful piece of writing is that these things that we're doing sometimes are so covert that we don't realize that we're doing mm -hmm. that it's important for us to not only try to do self-reflection, but also to be willing and able to listen uh, to when other people are engaging uh, with individuals in such a way to try to create better spaces. And we had a conversation somewhat similar uh, with another guest on the show previously. And it is, I know, important for me because I've only had that perspective of being a, a white cisgendered male. And that's, and it's, it's, it's not reasonable for me to And there's nothing wrong with these. that. Just so no, nothing at all. A lot, yeah. yeah, a lot of people think, I don't mean to interrupt you, Corey, but this is important. When women talk about this stuff, they often get accused of hating men or hating, you know, white cis, that's not the case at all. There's nothing wrong with being a white cis man and, Many of us have many white cis men in our lives who we love and appreciate. And again, I don't want to interrupt you, but that's just something we get accused of. And it's just, yeah, you just, you don't have the experience and you just don't know what it's like. And it's, and it has to be, I have to be okay saying I don't have that experience. I think in, you know, the last three years or so that has almost like that phrase of, you know, being a, a cis male, a white cis male has almost become like a scarlet letter in some people's yeah. perspective and it's important to dispel that it's just us trying to use rhetoric to be more inclusive i think to all different types of people that are out there so i i'm really glad that you that you brought that up uh, in particular because i know like until i started to understand a little bit more about the the power of language and how language is dangerously mm -hmm. inaccurate we don't find the right ways to express ourselves but then also being willing to say I need to know that I do not have the full experience and I have to be willing to listen. And reading your article was a great moment for me to do more listening. And I'll make sure to link it in the episode description. So for any of my listeners who have yet to read it, it's it, it's like a good 15 minute solid read. It's well worth your time. And, you know, I, I, I have to say from myself, thank you for having the courage to put your voice out there and letting us understand a different viewpoint and how we can maybe make those spaces a little bit better LGS is, you know, when we can go back out to them again. If I may, can I expound a little bit upon the writing process for this? You know, I said I wrote it down and wrote the article, but can I give some more details, which I've never actually publicly talked about? Please. Um, so uh, as I said, I had originally written this in May, June, 2017 or so, and kind of at first, yeah, I had always wanted to be like some sort of magic writer or at least have some published pieces of work, but I didn't think this was something for other people. I thought maybe I'll share this as a Google document or maybe maybe this is just my own journaling. Maybe I just needed to get this out, but um, I shared it with one of my coworkers and she didn't even play magic. And she said, she was like, this hit me to my core. You have to try to get this published. So I actually started with um, Star City Games. Uh, I don't remember the name of the editor I emailed, but I just said, hey, you know, I think I have something unique here. Um, can we maybe talk about publishing this just as like a one-timer? And they rejected me. And that was kind of 
eh, whatever. You know, I used to write newspaper in high school and college and it's, it's all part of the process. So I can't tell you the number of times I've gotten no's for auditions, you know, <laughs> like it, it just becomes part of it when yeah. you're in the creative field. You're like, no is just another way of saying, let's keep going. Yeah, it, it, was, it was. So I was like, okay, well, maybe that's not meant to be. Um, so, so I tweaked it a little bit. And one of the things I did, which um, I think is kind of interesting. Originally, the article had a section in there about my personal experience about my gender transition and some of those stories I told you about the people explaining Trample to me and becoming the girl who pulled the Liliana. I talked about those things, but I actually ended up deleting those paragraphs from the article because I felt, you know, I wanted this to be something that anybody could relate to. On the one hand, I felt it gave me a bit of credibility to be able to say, I've experienced both sides of this. On the other hand, I kind of felt like Maybe, you know, people will just think like, this isn't as universal. You know, I want any woman or man or gender identity to be able to understand what this feels like. So I'm gonna take, the, I'm gonna take my personal experiences out of here. And I did that, I edited the article and I actually talked to, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tifa Mayan. She is the head of the Lady Planeswalker Society. Um, we actually used to date, and Tifa, if you ever listen to this podcast, love you, girl. You're awesome. <laughs> uh, we're still great friends to this day. And I was like, hey, um, I have this article. Like, do you know anybody who might want to publish this? And as somebody who obviously was passionate about women in gaming and the stuff that they experienced, uh, Tifa got me in touch with the editors at TCG Player. Um, and uh, I worked with uh, John Kapora, was his name. And we, you know, they, they loved the article and they wanted to publish it. And I was just like, so hyped. I was like, yes, it's happening. This is awesome. Um, I don't know if people remember, they probably do magic, the quote unquote magic community, magic Twitter, whatever you want to call it, got a little crazy in late 2017. And this was about the time that we were getting ready to publish the article. It was slated for published in uh, December, 2017. I don't want to go into a lot of details about this because this, you know, this is a positive podcast, but there was this thing <laughs> called Magic Gate. Go research it if you want. And it's trust happens. me, friends, it's got it's got content out there. <laughs> yeah, let that's the this podcast is not the place for that. But with everything happening, um, I had be, kind of become a target in some ways from some of these people as one of the more outspoken kind of LGBT activists, SJW, whatever you want to call it, voices in the magic community. And it was around Christmas time and it was so stressful. And I was just, you know, deleting my Twitter and undeleting it. And I was just like, man, this, this is crazy. This is just a card game. I just wanted to, I had felt that I had written a really unique article that had given a perspective that wasn't given before. I really wanted it published. There had been other quote unquote, women in magic articles plenty of those but i don't think any and this isn't to say those are bad i don't think any of those captured the kind of as the title says and again john kapora thought of that title so thank you but as the title says this death by a thousand paper guts this idea that it's a bunch of little things that keep women from advancing in magic versus one big thing you don't walk into the store and it's like oh a girl get out of here so i just felt this was so unique and i wanted it so badly but i actually told 
the editor, you know, in December, I told the editors of TCG Player, I was like, hey, I'm backing out. I don't want this published. I don't want anything to do with magic content right now. Like, this is crazy. I don't under I don't understand why everybody's so up in arms all the time, whatever. And they were very sad that I didn't want to publish it. And I was sad too, because I was like, man, you know, so I wrote this in May and June, submitted to Star City Games, uh, got rejected, kind of re-edited the article, got in touch with Tifa, TCG player. We had this big plan and we were like, yeah, like this is like kind of something that's needed at this moment. So basically what happened, you know, as time went on sometime in January, um, you know, one of the editor, I think it was John, you know, I talked to John, Tifa, they both just said like, we just think this is really important. We want you to publish this, but we can't force you. So I just said, you know what? If you guys think this is important and that this, you know, article needs to be in the magic world, then let's just do it. Let's get it out there. So it was published in uh, early February, 2018. And, um, you know, I know I'm kind of rambling here, Corey, so stop me if you have any questions no, or- No, no, your, your experience deserves to be to be fully said. And I think every single thing that you've, like the story, if it can inspire someone else out there to maybe tell their story to help create a, a stronger community, please. So continue. Okay, thank you, thank you. So it was published and I believe it was one of the most liked, if not the most liked, it, uh, you know, like you can like an article, uh, liked and shared article in the TCG player history, um, at least top five by my estimation. I don't know, TCG player, if you're listening, I remember it had thousands of likes at the time. It got shared, it got translated into other languages, and it just became this huge thing that kind of took on a life of its own to, you know, my friends started referring to me as like a, like a micro e-celeb. And I'm like, look, I just wanted to share this experience with the world. I just wanted, this wasn't about it being a celebrity or anything. This was just, I just wanted to, you know, write something that meant something to people, no matter what their gender identity was, you know, just anybody who's experienced this, that they can, you know, understand this. And I wanted to make people uncomfortable. And there's a really great uh, segment. I don't know if we could link to it, but Magic Mike's did an episode where they talked about it. And the way Evan, Aaron, and Ruben talk about this, and especially, I remember Ruben saying that the article made him just feel so uncomfortable. That's part of what I wanted. I wanted people to get that visceral reaction and be like, wow, I didn't realize I was doing these things. I didn't realize that these things could be harmful. And again, the point wasn't to say like, oh, you're a horrible cis white male. It was to say, no, like these things, this is how we can all learn and build a community and make the space more equitable for everyone. So, you know, they really took on a life of its own. But again, there were some more, how can I put this, um, you know, a different style of content creators who uh, really and I'm not saying my article is about criticism. It deserves to be criticized. Uh, any Anybody who publishes anything deserves to be criticized. Anytime I put something out there, I've always got that feeling of if someone criticizes something, sure. Like when I put my work out in the world and art in the world, mm -hmm. that 
it, it, it takes on a life of its own, right? It goes out there and suddenly people listen and have they, they have different opinions, but the discourse that hopefully comes from there can create something greater than the sum of its parts. I know that's true for at least some of the art that I make. And I, and I appreciate, you know, and there's plenty of uh, theatrical philosophers and now I'm rambling because I, had, I got my degree <laughs> in theater that the act of being uncomfortable is the act of growth. Absolutely. Um, and I, that just resonated with me so much. And I thought, thank you for saying that out loud because it, it, it recalled to me things from my past and things that I need to be reminded about every once in a while. Yeah, and being uncomfortable. Yeah, you said it perfectly. It's a way to grow. It's not a way to just insult somebody or make them feel bad. I just wanted to help people understand and give a voice to these women and help other people uh, grow. But, you know, I won't get into the details, but it kind of made me, again, at the time, there was a lot of people who were doing a different type of YouTube content and it kind of made me this, this public enemy number one who is this trans feminist who is criticizing the male community and, you know, thinks all males are toxic and evil. And that was not my message at all. You know, I've, I've gone on dates with guys I've met at magic. It's not, I, I don't hate men like that. That's not what this was about, but I kind of got framed as this person, you know, experienced a lot of online harassment. And there's this whole thing of like, I had, I think I have like 30,000 accounts on my Twitter blocked. I have, I had them pre-blocked based on some, uh, you know, blockchains and lists and whatnot. And people saying like, oh, you know, she, she doesn't want to debate. She's blocked me before it's even got a chance. But it's like, no, it's not that, well, I don't want to debate you because you, you know, like what I wrote, you know what I think. Like, and if you have a response, go write an article or a video of your own. And again, I'm not saying I'm above criticism my article should be criticized. Anything I've done, whether it's a YouTube video uh, or a tweet I've done, like anything you put publicly is open for criticism. But, um, you know, just there's a pretty, you know, quick line on the internet from criticism to harassment. And I experienced a lot of that harassment. And originally my plan with TCG Player, they had me signed on to write one article a month. They were like, we love your writing style. We love working with you, Thea. And I loved working with that. And TCG Player was awesome. But because of this experience, I I just, I wrote a few more articles. Um, I wrote one about heuristics. I wrote one about making the most of your pre-release. I have some written that are unpublished, just sitting on my computer. <laughs> oh, I know that feeling. I've got a lot of yes. messy, <laughs> my, my desktop is cluttered with half thoughts and only fully realized concepts. So I get you. Yeah, so so after that experience, I just didn't really want to do magic content anymore, at least for a while. Um, I'm I am in the process. Like literally last night, I was working on setting up my stream. Um, I think I'm almost there. Like we're gonna get back into it. But just after that experience, like the way I described it to my friends, it was like almost like kind of like being, you know, at least in the magic community, like. A celebrity without any of the benefits of a celebrity you know it's not like i was getting like paid or like idolized like everybody knew me like you know sometimes i'd go to tournaments and i'd overhear people talking about it and like like oh this girl like i saw somebody who went to one of the lgs's that i played at comment on the magic mike's video i think it was one of the videos talking about it and talking about how like yeah this girl's crazy and i like 
I'm just thinking, it's like, man, like we go to the same LGS and I'm seeing comments from people like, so again, this is a positive show. Overall, I will say, I am so happy that I went through it and that the article is out there because at the end of the day, I got so many messages, you know, from transgender women, from cis women and from, you know, cis men. I, the amount of messages I got saying they learned something or this gave them a voice. It made it all worth it to me in the end. Well, I, I, I'm really happy that we had a chance to get to know a little bit more about you and this, and this like ability to give voice to the voiceless, I think is so important. And while this might be, you know, a positive podcast, I think we can make our spaces more positive by growing to be more inclusive. I, I think it was the good Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. said that injustice for one is injustice for all. So we should all be working to being, to finding ways for us to address our own uh, internal prejudices and being able to uh, see when covert things can be a, a powerful and dangerous thing and finding ways to make them better. So uh, I, I thank you so much for being able and feeling comfortable to share your experience here in the Unlucky Lounge today. And, you know, but before we wrap up this conversation, I, I would love to maybe do a little pivot and uh, and rev a little bit back into some of the things that bring us together in the world yeah. of magic. So, so let, let's just let's just ask some some fun casual questions. Like, for example, uh, this year, you know, and even back in, in 2019, people are calling this almost like the golden age of limited. Each limited set has been, you know, a, a, a banger in its own way. So much fun. What what do you think mm -hmm. is the best thing that happened to limited in this last year of 2020? I'm going to say something controversial. Go um, on, give it to us. Well, maybe, maybe, but I think Ikoria was the best thing to happen to Limited in 2020. And my rationale for that, and I might be biased, but because I said I love playing these Yu-Gi-Oh! digital card games and, um, you know, the duels of the Planeswalker and whatnot, I think Ikoria was the first set in my mind that the mechanics felt specifically designed for digital play. And uh, let me just say, I prefer paper play over digital, but Ikoria gave me a personally a very video game feel. It just had this feeling of those digital card games of the past and taking advantage of the mechanics that you can do in a digital environment. And it, it was, the most fun that I had with Magic in a long time, despite you know some some grievances with the the balance of the cycling deck when it was first released. I'm right um, there. Ikoria, I think, was something that was very important to me, and it actually kind of alludes to what I think the most important part of Limited in 2020 happened with Ikoria, and that was digital people drafting. I, I I can't I can't even tell you how happy I was, and at the same time, they released the client to Mac. So I finally had a chance to play, especially in what was going mm -hmm. to be this year of 2020 at the, the perfect moment in time. So I'm right there. I love Ikoria with you. And honestly, the cycling deck, it kind of, it tuned down once people started to understand just how good one yeah. monocycling was and the format leveled out. And even I, like, unless you got like kind of the nuts placement, I, I really think like the, like other decks, like the black red, uh, like deck that had all the cycling things with Bushmeat Poacher and my favorite card of all time now Unlimited, I love it, Whisper Squad. Uh, they were all like so ever-present in, in that deck. And speaking of a favorite card, I mean, I, I adore Whisper Squad. It might now be one of my favorite commenter and comments mm -hmm. of all time. Do you have like 
a common or uncommon that you, in limited sets that you just like, this is my baby. I'm going to stick with it for all time. And I, I will always cherish it. And if it ever gets reprinted, I'm going to take it right away. Day one of that limited environment and make it work no matter what. Is there like any card like that that kind of like, it, it just like resonates with you? <laughs> it's tough to say, but I one that does come to mind is uh, Secret Plans from Cons of Tarkir. The Cons of Tarkir is my favorite limited format of all time. Mm. And I absolutely loved the five color morph decks. And yeah, Secret Plans was one of those that I just, oh uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably take it. I, I think I did a lot of the Kaladesh remastered recently too. And I took the, uh, what's the three mana card that creates softers with energy? Oh, uh, uh, Whirler Virtuoso. Yes, uh, Whirler Virtuoso is another one that probably goes up there. I loved, uh, didn't really love Kaladesh Remastered, but I love the original Kaladesh and uh, Ruler of Virtuoso and I had some fun times, but I think probably Secret Plans from Cons of Tarkir. It's just my favorite format and one of my favorite decks in the format. One of my biggest regrets is I, I never got to do Triple Cons because I was doing cruise ship time and like that exact mm -hmm. month time was in the Triple Cons days. I got to do some Fate Reforged, but I heard it really fell off after that. And Secret Plans, that feels just looking at that card and seeing what it did in, in like the Commander pre-con. I was like, yes, that would be a, a lovely card that I would want to draft in any Morph-centric deck. I mean, you get to draw cards for what you want to do anyway. I mean, what more could you want, you know? Uh, but Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and la last question to, uh, before we wrap up this conversation. I really became super enfranchised when me and my friends started to do our own like limited set designs. Like I remember like there was eight of us and we all like kind of came together. We designed like a certain sect of cards and we like jammed them all together and we were like top downing weird things. Uh, and I, I adore it. I've always had a dream of making a, a top down Deep Space Nine uh, magic set, but you know, I don't, mm -hmm. I neither have the time nor creativity for it. But if you could, uh, top-down design, any kind of content. I'm like, like a book, show, movie, uh, mythology, or or kind of culture story. What would you want? Like we're seeing Norse mythology and call time. Yeah. What, what 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 would you want to like see if we if we were gonna like imagine? And I'm not talking about like the Walking Dead secret lair drop where it's like you know super FOMO. Like what what would you want like in like to be top-down to for magic to convert into its own realm? Honestly, and I've I've done a few of these on my own. Um, you know, I don't know if I can say a secret lair after what you just said, but I would love to see some sort of Yu-Gi-Oh! magic crossover. Some Yu-Gi-Oh! cards top-down designed into magic cards and some of the characters. And I know that's probably <laughs> the biggest pipe dream ever, but uh, when I first saw the, um, in War of the Spark, they had the, uh, like the anime style Planeswalkers. And yes. I, I was just like, that, man. By the way, that Tamiyo, that Tamiyo, oh my gosh. Oh, that Tamiyo. So beautiful. So yeah. good. And they had, they had all these famous anime artists. And um, I remember talking to my girlfriend, just being like, man, can we get a card by Kazuki Takahashi? That's the main artist of Yu-Gi-Oh! So I think it would be really cool to, you know, again, I know it's not really like a real life thing, but if there ever was, you know, some sort of crossover opportunity to have a Yugi or a Joey Planeswalker card, maybe in a secret lair, or maybe even silver bordered. Like that's kind of my dream. 
<laughs> I don't know that fully, but I I have a soft spot for Yu-Gi-Oh! and I still play by myself sometimes. So if they ever make a Joey Wheeler Planeswalker with a bunch of coin flipping and dice rolling, I would be right there for that. I would be in yes. for it. Come on, you we got Croc. <laughs> we got Croc. If we need, maybe we can mod it. I don't care, but like, let's let's go. Come on, let's let's bring let's unite and not divide. And uh, in that same vein, thank you so much for your amazing perspective and uh, this wonderful conversation. I, I feel so happy to have you here in the Unlucky Lounge. And you know what? It looks like you've finished your Hedron Latte. What do you say? Should I get Borok to whip up another one right now? I think so, because I think we're going to, you know, we need to stay caffeinated. We're going to do a draft soon, aren't we? You know it. You know it. Let's get let's get that Latte. Borok, come on. Whip up that, that cappuccino maker. We're keeping this going. <laughs> From Yu-Gi-Oh! to Ikoria, even all the way back to Cons of Tarkir, Thea, thank you so much for coming on by and sharing a little part of you to all of us. And to my listeners, thank you as well for reaching the end of this episode. It can be difficult sometimes to have these conversations. I know when I started playing this game, I had a lot to learn. And I made mistakes along the way. But it's moments like these where... We can talk about these things and find ways to grow and improve upon our own way of creating spaces. Because the second that you walk into a space, you uniquely and dynamically change it. So let's make sure when those LGSs open up again, that when we walk into those wonderful public venues and we uniquely change that space, that we uniquely change it to something inclusive and something beautiful. Well, friends, it looks like I found the bottom of my drink, and so we've reached the end of another episode. Another huge thank you to our guest for the last three episodes, Thea. Find her on Twitter and on Twitch at FemMTG. I've swung by her Twitch streams, and it is a ball. You come by and have fun with it as well. And find us, too, on Twitter, on Twitch, on YouTube, Draft and Draft Corey. Find me on Instagram, Corey Demone Enriquez. And if this show is giving you some joy, enjoy our tiered benefits at patreon.com backslash draft and draft. Well, let's wrap this one up here. Thank you, everyone, for listening in and giving us a little bit of your time. My name is Corey, joined alongside Borok, and this has been Draft and Draft. Now go out there and make some magical memories of your own. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.